0: We're gonna be doing something slightly different today. I felt like it would be helpful for um, me to share a little bit. And I wanted to ask Tyler if he would share some of the things that are on his heart for a little bit and uh, that uh, we can just get a sense of looking back over 2023 and looking forward to 2024. What were some of the reflections of our hearts? So we call the sermon Reflections and Resolutions. um, Reflections and Resolutions about 2023 and 2024. When I um, was thinking about, there was a story that's been on my heart about Moses uh, uh, who comes to a place, it, and they later named it Mara and Meribah. Uh, the, the name means strife or contention or, or, or bickering. Um, and they come to a place they, they name they come to the place Mora and Mariba twice in the in their travels now there's this big debate in theology about whether they came back to the same place or whether it was a separate place But at both places, this was the thing. They were expecting to find water when they got there. There was no water when they got there. And now their lives were in serious danger. And so because they felt threatened and because they felt like the Lord had not been faithful to them, they started strife and bitterness and recrimination. And there was bickering going on in the camp. So the first time this happens, so this is big debate about whether this was the same place or whether it was two different places, either way... Um, there was this moment that it felt exactly the same. They called it the place of strife and bickering. And the first time Moses goes and uh, the Lord says to him, see that rock? He goes, yeah. He says, hit the rock and water will come out. So Moses walks up to the rock in front of people. They're in the middle of the desert. And Moses hits the rock and water gushes out, enough for two and a half million people and all their animals. So it wasn't a little stream. It was a fountain. And uh, the second time they come, the Lord says to Moses, Speak to the rock. You see that rock? He goes, Yep. He says, Speak to it, and water will come out. And Moses is a little bit ticked with the people. He goes, You're a bunch of ugly things. Do you want me to bring water out of this rock? And he hits the rock, and water comes out of the rock. Because God gives authority to leaders to, to provide for the people. But that's not what God told him to do. So the first time he hit the rock, Moses was praised. And the second time he hit the rock, he was punished. And he wasn't allowed to lead the people into the promised land. Just hold on one second. Sorry, I felt that cough coming for a while. Thank you. To my lovely assistant. (laughs) Um, It feels to me like we're circling back and coming up on an election year. Uh, and the last election year wasn't a happy one for me uh, because there was a lot of bickering and strife and contention. And we were in, not only in the middle of an election year. We were in the middle of a political cycle. And there was obviously a, a whole bunch of debate around the COVID and what to do about it and where to go. And there were a lot of different things. and. People uh, lost their hearts and lost their heads, and many many people felt justified in placing something other than the kingdom reality as, as the center of their hearts. The church lost people, and across the U.S., the the stats are about five percent of people were lost to the church. Uh, there's about a five percent drop in attendance across the uh, the nation. Um, and so, a lot of churches, you know, they back in growing again. But a lot of churches are, are substantially less. But the average is about five percent. Um, we're coming back on a year where I'm estimating between six and eight billion dollars is going to be spent in trying to change your mind about some political party. Because last year we spent last cycle was five billion it was spent in trying to get your mind into one place. And I just want to say feels like we're coming back to a place of strife and contention. There's going to be a lot of dust in the air. There's going to be a lot of emotion being thrown around. There's going to be a lot of hype and and real vitriol. And I just want to say that in that moment of time, the best possible thing that we can do is listen to what the Lord is telling us to do. All right? Not just to do the thing we knew what to do last time, but to say, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me? And so that's very much in my heart as somebody who's leading a church back into a season. And I feel like we're coming back over the hill and we're going to walk down on this thing and we're expecting water and there's going to be some dust and strife in the air. And I just wanted to say to you uh, ahead of time, while we're still in the season of peace, before we get into the tension, there are a couple of things that I think we need to cement in our hearts so that when you're in the middle of the dust and the fog, you can say, Oh, that's what we decided we were gonna do. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Cool. So the two things as I look back on 2023 and as I look forward to 2024, that resonated in my heart above all other things were these two. Number one was a devotion to my King. You can hardly turn around in our church any time in the last year and a half without hearing the Lord's voice say, I want you to draw yourself aside and I want you to come and get to know me. I want a personal walk with you. I want personal oil of devotion. I want you to press into your walk with me. And uh, in Matthew 26, there's a great scripture. You know it so well, but it says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, With an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured out this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I do not regret an ounce of devotion poured out on the feet or the head of Jesus in this past year. And when we're in fancy rooms and important meetings with senior leaders of the community don't re- remove your devotion to Jesus just because they think it's not fashionable that woman's devotion that moment of devotion has been remembered for thousands of years those moments of devotion are precious to Jesus and I, I, although I'm always married to Michelle, there are special moments of connection that we both remember and cherish. There are moments of devotion that you can give to the Lord. It's not only the devotion that the Lord demonstrates to you. It's not only His faithfulness and His love to you, but there are moments when you show your devotion and love to Him that that become exceptionally precious to the Lord. These are the kinds of things that remain. And when I thought back on 2023, I remembered those moments of devotion that were heartfelt, that I meant with all my heart, and I don't regret a single one. And I don't care who was in the room because He was the most important. And our moments of devotion in worship and in giving and in obedience, sometimes with courage, those open displays of real emotion, those are precious and I promise you will go on beyond the year that they're invested in. They become eternal. What this woman did, Jesus said, as long as this gospel is preached, what she just did will be remembered. That there. That's what the Lord said to Cornelius, your devotion, that those moments, that wholehearted, it's what Job said, Lord, remember me in this. There are moments of devotion when your heart turns to the Lord and they oftentimes secret and and they've done like, Lord, this is you. This is my heart for you. Every single one of those is captured by the Lord. And there's not a one that I regret, not a one. Although some people in some of the rooms I've been in said, well, that's a little excessive. Why wasn't indignant? Indignant, why could he not shown a little more decorum? We could have made more sense out of this if we'd have sold it and given it to the poor. Don't ever, don't ever feel embarrassed for your devotion to the Lord. And take some time in 2024 to increase it. The second thing I just want to say for me was a love for His people. When I look back on 2023, the moments that stand out for me, the moments that are deepest in my heart and most precious to me are the moments when I saw God's people love one another in practical ways. That for me made the year. It's not that the year didn't have its own fair share of, challenges and pressures. Every single year is going to have that. You know, there's going to be joys and struggles and hardships and beauties in every year. But the thing that stood out for me was when, when people who were, who were in pain and somebody drew near and shared that with them and shared the moment and prayed with them and gave and loved and encouraged and prophesied. And I, I think for me, those are the favourite things of the year. John 13, 35, when we started in February of this year, we started a series, We're Better Together. And the the foundation of that series was, by this, everybody will know that you are my disciples, John 13, if you love one another. This is the way we're gonna decide where the real church is. Who are the real believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in 2024? 2024. I'll point them out to you. It's the believers who love one another deeply. That's the church. I think it's the people who have this theology. No. Do they love one another? That's the church. And in the middle of the, the, the acrimony of a political season, who the church, because they vote this way or that, no. I'll show you who the church is. The people who love one another. This was the marker that Jesus set for the recognition of true discipleship. When they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, He said the greatest commandment is this, love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And when Jesus said, I'm gonna give you a new commandment on top of those two, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. You must love one another like I've loved you, sacrificially. Sacrificially. Love is the standard that Jesus calls us to and the metric of the measurement of his kingdom. And one Peter, Peter picks up the same refrain. He says, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for one another. Wow, well, I, I, you know, Greg, I just feel like it's important that we have good theology. Here's good theology. Peter said, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for one another. There's some people who have no love in their heart, but they think their theology is perfect. How far can you miss it? It's not getting in there. Now that you have... A sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Sincere love deeply expressed is a central rail that our lives must travel on. Now I understand that in, in recent years, there's some people who are using love as an expression, an opportunity to sanction all manner of uncleanness, and, and so many in the church wanna start drawing lines. And I, I, I'm with you there, I, I kind of go there. I just like, I don't wanna play with uncleanness. The church ought to be clean. We ought to be the holy people of God. We ought to live upright, godly lives in this current age because that's what grace teaches us to do. I'm all over that. All I wanna say is that don't start by drawing lines, start by loving. Let people know that you love them and then you can talk about the lines. The church too often is front-footed on drawing lines and too often is back-footed on showing love. Okay, I'll move on. Are oh, you guys not so happy about that? 1 John 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love. With word, not just with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And this is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Greg, I've got great theology. This is how you know you belong to the truth. You love people. and You love them with action. And you look after them. And you care for them. And you bear with one another. And you encourage one another, and you love one another, and you bless one another, and you strengthen one another, and you feed one another, and you greet one another, you care for one another. Sincere love, deeply expressed, is our pathway. And I just want to say the sweetest memories for 2023 with a deep love of God's people towards one another, despite the trials. And the pressures. Last scripture, Galatians five. For in Christ Jesus Paul says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I've got great faith. Express it through love. That's the only thing that counts, Paul said. If you have the faith it can move mountains but have not love. That's not impressive. not our theological position, it's not our circumcision or not, it's our faith expressing through love. I'm going into this new year settled on these two things. I made up a mind, I'm going to be stirring up my devotion for my King and I'm going to be stirring up my love for God's people. And I'm going to be settled in those two. Because if I can stir up my devotion for my King and be unashamedly, Passionate about him and my walk with him. And I can love God's people around me in practical, real ways. And it doesn't matter what comes. Because I have an absolute and confident expectation of good for 2024. I absolutely believe we're going to step up. I absolutely believe with all my heart, God's going to take us into a new place. And I think we're going to see profound things in this year, just as we saw profound things in 2023. How many about Tyler to come up and take over? That
1: was so good. It's it's funny, Greg and I, um, we knew coming into this morning, we wanted a sermon to be about reflecting on 2023 and helping frame for us 2024. And so then we went away and... Brought this, and as we looked at our notes this morning, uh, it feels like both uh, an echoing of one another and dovetailing in on some specific areas. As I talk about reflections and uh, resolutions, uh, there's this thing that you see in Scripture. There's these moments where God pulls back the curtains to one of his prophets or his teachers or in his apostles, and he just shows some of the heavenly realm. And there's these moments where they have enough mind to start framing it in a way that we can understand. They use natural means to explain heavenly truths and principles. And then there's moments where that just doesn't happen. And in Ezekiel 10, this is exactly what happens. Ezekiel gets pulled up and he's just there to report the news. He goes, I saw cherubim and they're flying around the throne room and there was this set of wheels. And underneath the wheels, there's coals. And then a guy in white linen comes and picks up coals and starts sprinkling the coals. And then I saw a creature that could see everything because there was eyes all over its body and on its back and on its wings. And then I saw another creature and it had four heads, one of an ox, a lion, an eagle, and a man. And then he's, he's like sharing that. And he's like that kid at school at show and tell who's sharing way too much about his family life at home, like about mom and dad. And the teacher's just like, Thank you, Ezekiel, for sharing. Wasn't that good, class? It was like this very, like, that was something. And he's just undone. He's just saying, this is what I saw in the Lord and in the heavenly. And while that's amazing and we can take from that, I prefer Paul's methodology, who was also taken up and shown things. And in Ephesians 5, for example, he, he talks to his readers and he says, hey, like, like marriage, like a husband and a wife and covenantal relationship. And there's surrender and submission and respect and love. And there's just covenant. And in verse 32, he then goes, he goes, well, but I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so he goes, this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Jesus. He's, he's helping the readers go, you know what marriage is, right? I saw Jesus did this. He, he, he would go, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would, he would just tell, like a farmer who went out to sow seed. And what he was doing was telling stories to help the, the listener, the understanding. I'm trying to help you understand the deeper things. And so he uses natural means that we can wrap our minds around to help our minds catch up with our spirit in receiving. And as I've been reflecting about this morning, I, the Lord just keeps bringing me back to seasons of the soul and how they're like seasons in our natural realm. There's, there's the springtime and the summer and the fall and the winter. And it doesn't matter how much a farmer is committed and how much he's willing to work and put in the extra hours, he is still subject to the seasons he must submit to those realities. There is a time to sow seed in the spring and then to get excited about the growth you see in the summer and then the fall about reaping and harvest. I just I feel like the Lord has us today. And maybe even in this week, if you've had a week of, uh, like my family, of just resting, that the winter season is a time of reflection and pause and planning. I have this, this picture that I wanna put up of a winter landscape and for me, the older that I get, this might be the f- my favorite moment in a, in a calendar year and a season. It's this untouched snow moment. If you know me at all, I talk way too much. <laughs> I've been in sales and preaching. That's all I do. I talk way too fast. I know this about myself. But the older that I get, the Lord reminds me there's a time for sowing and a time for reaping. There's a time to speak and a time to be silent. And we don't get snow often in Georgia, but when it does snow, right as we hear, hey, there's no school today, work from home, try and get your emails done, we can't drive, right before the kids uh, ruin the snow with activity of snow angels and snowmen and snowball fights, the the last snow falls, and have you noticed how quiet it gets? I love that feeling. And I feel like from a, if, if like looking outside in a window and seeing that calm, unbroken snow, I feel like the Lord's going. Look inside the window of your heart right now in this moment today. Testimony Sunday is about pause, reflect, consider what I have done for you. Consider the words that I've instructed you in before you step into the excitement of a new year. When I when I think about what we've covered this year, as we go back and and we need that reminding because it's like I can't even remember what was happening in January. Oh yeah, I had a baby with my wife. <laughs> it's like I was like, I was like, how old is Natalie? She's like, she was born this year, Tyler. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. That happened. February, we had a series, as Greg mentioned, Better Together. And I was preaching part two of that series, and I felt like I had a prophetic word that I thought was I, I felt it was bigger than just for my household or even for the church. I felt it was like the Lord saying, Hey, this is what's gonna happen. In the nation in this season. And I want you as a people to be prepared for it. I saw this picture of two faucets, and on one faucet was inscribed power, on the other was inscribed pressure. And I felt like I saw the Lord's hand turn those faucets up so that both of them were pouring out and the waters were mixing together. And if you were there for that, you recall. The point was, this is the environment you're in now. How should we respond if this is the truth that we're going to step into? That there's going to be a moment where we experience the presence and the power of God in profound ways, but it's also going to be a year where we're gonna face pressures like we've never faced before. And the key to both of these realities was intimacy with the Lord. If you wanna experience the power in an overflowing measure, intimacy with the Lord, go to the secret place, seek the Lord, and he'll answer if you wanna be sustained through the pressures of life that you're going to experience. As James said, many trials will come. If you wanna be sustained, intimacy with the Lord. What was fascinating to me is uh, uh, every month, our elders and our deacons get together, and before we start our meeting, we, we pray together. We wait on the Lord and we say, what's the Lord saying? Every single meeting, we have the minutes scribed out Every single meeting, three to four elders going, I just feel like the Lord's saying, devotion to the Lord, devotion to the Lord, intimacy with the Lord, go to the secret place, centralize Jesus, make him the focus to the people over and over and over again. We invited five elders to share outside of our staff pastors here. So Greg, Michelle, uh, myself, Tom, Armando, outside of us preaching where we shared about the intimacy with the Lord, we asked our elders, hey, share what's on your heart. That was the prompt. We said, if you can preach on this date, What's the Lord saying to you? And each one of them came back and in their own words, pushed towards this intimacy with the Lord. Ken Deploy, he talked about running your race and his big takeaway was, and the key to running a race well is fix your eyes on Jesus. J.D. Getman, he begs the question, what is it that you're seeking? And he leads us to this, seek first the kingdom of God, seek Jesus. Scotty preaches during the summer and he says more than doing something with God, it's about working with him, communing with him. You're not doing something for him, you're working with him. Stephen uh, Stephen Murray, just a few weeks back, secret place. Jenny closes out, single-hearted devotion to Jesus. What's the Lord saying to us this year? I believe he's clear on the message. Come to me if you are weary and heavy laden. Find rest in me, find intimacy with me. So as the backdrop of my reflection points, I have three reflections and just a single resolution. That's all I have for us. In the backdrop of all of what the Lord has been saying, and what we have bore witness to in terms of the testimonies, which I'll close out, we're gonna, we're gonna see just more of the testimonies of what have happened this year in our community. In light of all of that, what should we be reflecting on in this winter moment of pause? I think it's already been said, and my first one was, I've been reflecting on the secret place. Meeting with the Lord, and what happens in the secret place? What is the secret place? The secret place is where you find refuge from the storms of life, the pressure faucet. And it's also where you find the power to prevail. I've I've been thinking about Jesus goes, after being baptized by his cousin, John, goes into the wilderness, led by the spirit. And for 40 days, he doesn't eat any food. At his physically most weakest moment, that's when the devil attacks and he tempts Jesus three times and he resists the devil and he flees. So he goes from, physically no food for 40 days, to spiritual warfare. Perhaps that's been your year. You felt like, man, I've just been fighting off and pushing back, I feel weak. And yet what's fascinating to me, Luke chapter four, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee full of power in the spirit. It wasn't a draining season for Jesus. It was a moment where he connected with his father. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus wasn't thinking about 40 days without food. He was 40 days with my heavenly father. And he comes full of power. You want power for 2024. As Greg's been talking about, there's going to be strife. There's going to be division. There's going to be fear mongering. Do you want power in that season or in that environment? Then the key is the secret place with the Lord. I have found that, that even when we lose in this life, we are in a circumstance where it just feels like we had great loss, that the losses that we experience in this life is not a diminishment of our lives, but it is an opportunity, another moment, another time, a space to connect with Jesus. I have found that God in the moment of a loss and waiting for that breakthrough, the space in between these two points, this is where my heavenly father meets me every time. He is the one who comforts me and leads me in all truth. I I prefer days that are light and relaxing and fun and festive, but even in the darkest moments of my life, he is with me. He is a rod and a staff that comforts me. He prepares a table before me in the presence even of my enemies, and still my cup runs over. Uh, The the second reflection that I want to bring us to is, uh, I, I just can't get away from this Jesus-centered community. As Greg said, the love that we have for one another. Can I tell you, whether you're in a moment where you're experiencing the power and the presence of God or you feel like you're under the faucet of pressure, one of the things that holds me fast is a Jesus-centered community around me. Yeah. What's been fascinating for me is I can see how culture and values are established and built. We, um, the neighborhood that I, I occupy we, uh, the, the hashtag Norcross. Uh, we, we run 5Ks and 10Ks. And you could tell I had no idea you're a runner. I'm not. I don't know how I got into running. These people are crazy. There's a few of them among us who started spreading this rumor of like, hey, for the holidays, let's do a turkey trot run. Let's do a Christmas run. And as we're running, we're like, how did we become runners? And it's like, people are just like, isn't this great? And we're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. There's a value system and they've sucked us into it. What I have found is that when it comes to a Jesus-centered community, there's a value. When Jesus is at the center of the community, you know what it does? It generates a hunger and a thirst to see his power and experience his presence. So you know what's been happening in Norcross? We've been experiencing his power and presence. Why? Because it's become a Jesus-centered community. It's a driving value. And I believe that the Lord is calling us Northlands. Let's be a Jesus-centered people. The other thing that a Jesus-centered community does, as I said, is a refuge in the storm. It holds us fast. When we do feel the pressures of life, it keeps reminding us, lifting our heads, reminding us, hey, let's not be in strife. Hey, let's remember, once again, God will provide the water in the desert. Once again, God is going to overcome. God will prevail. I'm telling you, we need that. I I, I was thinking about Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse, uh, let's see what I have, verse 19 to 24. It says this, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, meaning Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure waters, intimacy with the Lord. Jesus came as our high priest to rip down the barriers so that we might be one and connected to our Heavenly Father. What's fascinating though in Hebrews, listen to this next line in Hebrews, it says this, let us then hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. What does the writer of Hebrews want us to do? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The more I tap into intimacy with the Lord and my individual walk with him and find my time in the lonely place with my heavenly father, you know what i found? It's a team sport. That my individual walk with Jesus is beautiful, but it requires of me to be a part of a body, an ecclesia, a team of people, a family that it's not something that I do alone. I have my time alone with Jesus. And you know what he draws me to? How may I support the body more? How can the body support me more? As the day goes on, how might we spur one another on? If intimacy with Jesus and intimacy with the Lord is the key, it must be done in a community that is Jesus-centered. Who are we to be in 2024, a Jesus-centered community? Lastly, this is something I've been, I've been talking with Tom and Greg about. We, we say one of our passions is if there's something that we wanna to give to every single member here at Northlands is that you could hear God's voice for yourself. That when we ask, hey, what's the Lord saying to you that you would say, this is what he's saying for me, this is what he's saying to my family. But another thing I've realized that marks the, the, the celebrated Northlandians, I don't even know what to, it's, it's that, like the, the members here, the thing that we just go, the thing that we talk about as pastors, you, go, you know what I love is this person over here and how they share, and that is this that they always presume and assume on the goodness of God. Regardless of the season of life that you find yourself in, whether you're in that moment of pressure or you're just in the high moments of his presence, regardless, you can't get away from the fact of saying God is good. There there are too many stories that I have of of friends of mine who who just with tears in their eyes going through incredibly hard seasons and they share and they share and we weep together and we, we share tears together and our frustrations together and the thing that just resonates in my heart as a pastor, as their friend, and as a believer is after they, they, they stop for a moment in their tears with tremble in their voice, they go, but God has still proven himself faithful. I'm going through this, but I can't deny the goodness of God and how he has operated in my life and in my family's life. I wish this loss never happened, and yet I can't deny that the goodness of God is following me all the days of my life. What kind of people are we to be in 2024? That kind of people. That we would be the people of God who continually go, God is at work and the work that he is doing is good. Romans 8, 28, it says it 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 there plainly. And we know that in all uh, things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We as believers are called according to his purpose. And he is at work doing good in all areas of our life, whether it's in the pressures of life or whether it's in those moments of power in his presence. That chapter eight of Romans, it is a mixed bag. It is, hey, as a believer, there are moments where we celebrate the goodness of God and there are moments where we are led like sheep to the slaughter is what the chapter says. And yet, regardless of those two realities, we have a view that God is with us. God will deliver us. God is watching over his word to perform it in our lives. As Greg alluded of of what's to come in 2024, uh, to say it this way, this is me kind of calling the the shot. It's it's the January to June will be business as usual. July to August, the political spirit will, just mark my words on this, the political spirit will begin to use fear mongering and division on trivial topics to divide us. It will happen. The question is not will that happen, James chapter one, verse two to four, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials, when you face trials of many kind. Why do we need the pressure faucet? Why do we need trials? Because those trials do something in us. They work out perseverance. And let perseverance finish the work that it is doing in you and in me. Why? Because it brings maturity, it brings completeness so that we might lack nothing. We, need, we don't just need the faucet of power. We absolutely need the faucet of pressure. Just like a winter season in the natural and a winter season of the soul, the only way you and I become strong is if we go to a gym and we put weights on our shoulders and we push them back. In this same regard, the only way that we grow strong spirits is we must at some point feel the pressures and pains of life and push back. When you face trials of many kind. Why? Because this is what I've learned in 2023 as I reflect. God is the father of light and he gives good gifts to us. He wants to bring us to places of breakthrough. But you know what I have found? More than giving you and I something or taking us somewhere, he is committed to making us someone Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. Who is he making us into? What is it that he is doing? Jesus gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for what reason? To equip the bride for works of ministry, to do work so that we, even in a moment of spirit of division, that we might find a unity in the faith and be made mature like Christ. He is committed to making us mature, complete, lacking nothing like his son, Jesus. And so in light of that backdrop of intimacy and in light of these reflections, I, I want today to be a moment for you to have your own reflections. What did the Lord do? What did the Lord say to you this year? We have a moment to pause this afternoon, this evening, and even in this moment as we have a, a worship team to come and to help us reflect as we consider the testimonies of this year as a community. We have a moment to reflect. In light of those reflections though, it must lead us to resolution. Resolution. That reflection is so important because it's the place where we met God, therefore, we must change. We must repent. We must confess that, hey, I once thought like this, but then God met me in this space, in the secret place, and you don't leave the secret place with the Lord the same way that you came in. You leave radically transformed. Let us be the people that go, we've experienced God in this year and in this moment, therefore, We must resolve, we must take a new mind, we must act different in 2024. We are not the same people of January 2023 as we enter into the new year. We have been transformed by the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living in you and me at work, completing us and making us new. And therefore, we are going to be a people in 2024, full of faith and full of hope. Faith is not a blind leap into an abyss of nothing. Faith is not this denial of the facts of the realities of our life. Faith is very simple. It is just somebody who has an accurate account of God's faithfulness from our past. That's it. Why do I look to 2024 with excitement and joy, even if it might be filled with division and strife? Because I am not focused on the day, I am focused on the Lord of the day. I know who meets me in 2024. Why? Because I have an accurate view of what he has done for me in my past. If you wanna be a faith-filled person for your new year and in 2024, it requires you to testify of an accurate account of who God has been for you in 2023. I know we have experienced loss, I know we have experienced pain, and yet I know we are not crushed, we are not diminished, we are not destroyed, because our God goes ahead of us, and he provides for us, and he watches over us. Let us be a peculiar people, when it seems dark and all hope is lost in the world, that we would be the kind of sons and daughter, that creation that the culture yearns to be revealed, because when we step in, we don't add to the problem, we bring resolve and solution. Psalm 27, 13 to 14. David, I am so confident in this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of God in my lifetime. Therefore, Northland's church, regardless of what is in 2024, wait on the Lord. We'll get... We'll get the bad news. We'll get the moments of loss. We'll find out who the president's gonna be. And as we see all these things unfolding, we just pause and go, it's time to wait on the Lord. Reflect on the work of his mighty right hand. And then we respond. Wait on the Lord, be strong. Do not lose heart, wait on the Lord.